Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name is Melitza and I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you here. This is the first week of the summer holidays for us here and the children. And it's been a very hot one. It's been about 31 degrees centigrade most of the days by about 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And so we are coping. No huge arguments and craziness that's gone on this week although there has been a lot of bickering and arguing as we settle into this new new system, new rhythm, new way of doing summer with all of us at home. So all three of the boys are at home and so am I and we're gonna have a fun summer together. Last week's show we talked all about achievement and making mistakes and this week's show is a continuation of that topic do you make progress is what this one is all about. Measuring achievement is a really tricky thing. A few years ago, we moved to the US from the UK and straight into elementary school and middle school. So we didn't have a break, a summer holiday. We just kind of went straight from one school system to to the next just because of the way the timings of the year fell. The middle schooler would have changed schools anyway from primary to secondary school and if we'd remained in the UK that would have been what would have happened to him and certainly those in elementary school would have just stayed in primary school, they would have moved on to the next year. They were all introduced to the passing of an end of year exam, that if you failed that end of year exam that you couldn't progress to the next class. In the UK, they were from a system where everybody progressed to the next class. You didn't need to pass an exam to be able to get to the next class. And so that was a completely new stress for them to deal with. The fear of not passing um, an exam, knowing that they hadn't done some of the work that they might have needed to be able to pass the exam. They were introduced to the whole idea of being held back and you know they had children in their classes that have been held back and they could see children in the school that have been held backwards so that was a completely new concept new stress in the UK they advance the children just by age so that's the only reason why you would move to the next year it has nothing to do with um, whether you've passed a test or not and those children that need supporting are supported in the following years Um, it's just a very different approach and a very different system and so it was something that they they had to get used to. Next came report cards and progress reports, another thing that wasn't done um, in the UK in the same way. They had parents' evenings in the UK where at the end of half a term, the parents would come in and speak to the teacher and learn from the teacher what's happening. There would not be any daily or weekly reports of anything coming home there was no test results that came home. They had books that they kept at school. We didn't have sheets and things like that that came home all the time. So completely new system that they were getting to. Each week they learned that they would have a variety of tests and quizzes and papers that they were given 
a number, a grade at the end of. This is something that they weren't used to having quite in the same way in the UK. The grade was reported on the report card at the end of the term and halfway through that term they had a progress report and this is how you are doing. Again it was reported as a grade so they went from a system where they didn't know very much about the progress they were making at school to being told almost weekly and sometimes daily the percentage that they got and whether they passed or failed. So these were just new stresses, new and different ways of learning and doing that they had to understand and because they've been in school they could see the differences and notice and, and we could too. We just all come from a system where the teacher used the results mostly to inform them of their teaching and how they were going to continue teaching the kids and the feedback wasn't a number or marks when they gave feedback it was usually something that was written on the page so that the children could understand in children's language what they did well and what they could do better for next time. So it's usually a wordy comment, something that they could hold on to and see what they have done. It wasn't good job or um, congratulations or fantastic. It was a lot more uh, you have managed to add commas and full stops really well. Remember to use a proper noun when you say the name of a town. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Thinking off the top of my head. And you got ticks all down the page if you got things right. And um, sometimes you would get crosses if you got things wrong, but mostly you got ticks to show that you got things right. And that's just the way that they were used to having things. That first year was a really big adjustment because their value became this percentage or this number that they had on their sheet. And they hoped for papers back that had really good marks on it. And that's what they were looking for, papers with really good marks. And those that didn't come back with good marks, they kind of wanted to hide. You wanted a paper that came back with no feedback on it at all. You didn't want to have any crosses because that was the only thing that you got. If you got something wrong, you would get a cross or it was mentioned. So you, it was only mentioned when you got things wrong. It wasn't mentioned when you got things right. And I wondered how any child could be motivated with a page full of markings of what was wrong. And we struggled with that when they did come home with marks all over their page that said that they got it wrong. I had a hard time looking at it, they had a hard time looking at it because we'd come from a system where it was the exact reverse. If you had lots of things on the page, it was because you'd done well and you could see what you'd done well. So it was a, a change that we were looking at progress and achievement and how these things affected the way that we thought and did. You had to find, decipher the line. if there was lots of marks on a page that said you got something wrong. You had to work out how many that you got right. I remember very clearly um, one of my children getting 10 of the things right and 10 of the things wrong on the page. And we couldn't see the 10 things that he got right until he, we counted very carefully and looked because of the way that the results were put on the page. And it's not a criticism, it's just for us, 
the first thing that we saw was, oh my goodness, he's got everything wrong. But when we took a second look, we realized, oh, he's got half of them wrong and half of them he got right. And when we could reframe it that way, it was okay. But I don't know, we were used to it the other way around. And so it just took a long time for us to get used to that new system. Having seen a different system and had to come to terms with the emphasis on attainment over progress, we started to adjust but it still just didn't feel right. And so this is one of the primary reasons why I wanted to do a show today on achievement and progress and knowing how it's different in different countries and in different places. And we can challenge the way that we view it for ourselves if we just look a little deeper. Like many schools, uh, my middle schooler had access to his results in an online portal, a place where you could download an app or use your computer and there was this whole area where you could look at his grades and his progress, how he's getting on in each of his subjects. And the teachers would enter in the grades and again it was a percentage grade that he would get following a rubric. So often the teacher would provide a special rubric that told you to get one mark you would have to do these special things and to get two marks you'd have to do these special things and so on up to five and if you got you know five out of the five right then that would get you your 95% or your 100% and so on down so you would get an answer according to the rubric would convert into the percentage marks So again, he would be coming home with percentages that were written on his work and I could see the results before he got home if the teachers entered in the marks on the online system and those pieces of paper would come home. There was rarely any wordy comments to give him ideas of what to do next. It was mostly just a number. So again, Everything became about being the number. What number did you get? Did you pass or did you fail? What number did you get? Not about what I can do better or what did I do well or how can I improve? So this was a major adjustment to the way that they had been schooled um, up till then. And so they'd been in school for over five years. And so this was a, a real change to the way things are. There was No hiding of grades though, when you had this portal, because I could see what his grades were and I didn't have to worry whether he was not gonna tell me or not, I could see. But all I could see was the result of that grade for that one moment in time when he got that. I didn't know how he got that, why he got that. And I couldn't see the the paper to see which bits that were wrong and, and how he'd come to that. There was a fever at orientation around this portal that I had never experienced before because this was something very new to me. It was something that parents checked all the time and it was much like a drug. And soon enough, my once weekly check-in was becoming a daily. Just before he got off the bus, I would go to this portal and I would check to see what his results were so that I could know what to say to him and and just be ahead of the game, know what's going on, be involved, be all of those things. I never knew that it would get to me in that way, that I would join that group of, I need to, I need to. I never thought that that's what would happen, but it did. 
I felt the tension and the anxiety rising about their grades, like it was my grades. Throughout the year, when mothers met together, the conversation nearly always went to attainment. I just don't remember us doing the same thing all the time um, when we were overseas in the playground. I think that it was just different, and I'm curious to know how it is in the state or the country or the place where you live, whether that's what mothers universally do, because you know we all do very different things, but I'm just curious, maybe that's what everybody does. It was just, my experience is a little different. With high marks comes honors and with honors opportunities. If you get over a certain percentage for the term and you were, let's say an A, B honor roll or an A honor roll, then this was a big deal. But then I started to wonder what happened to those students who would never maintain grades at that high level that they would achieve an AB on a roll or an A on a roll. And, you know, without any extrinsic motivation, no ceremony, nothing, every time they get that number and it's a low number, what motivation do they have to progress and, and do better and keep going when they get that mark and they know that they're not going to get the AB honor roll because it's a consistent number. To get AB or an A honor roll, you have to consistently maintain a high standard. And let's face it, not all children are going to get that or, or need to get that for, for all sorts of reasons. So schools were rewarding only those children that got A's or AB with a reward. So what does that say for motivation for the others? At the same time, I was seeing all these honours day programmes and honours roles. I saw some Facebook friends posting their certificates for effort from their kids online and I have no knowledge whether their child is an A student or an AB student in mathography arts or whatever subject they're doing. But I know that they worked hard this year and I thought, you know what, that's what I really want to know is, are my children working hard? I think that's what we as parents want to know because we want them to be intrinsically motivated to succeed and continue and try and have that growth mindset of moving forward I don't want, I don't need to know completely that they are an A student or an AB student only. I want to know if they're motivated to learn, if they're motivated to try, if they're motivated to put forth the effort. Because we know that learning happens when we work hard at it. And the best learning happens when we're motivated to do it. And there will be tough times when we find something really hard and we don't want them giving up because it's just tough. We need them to continue even though it's hard. I wondered what I could do as a parent to refocus this percentage attainment thing from being the all. I'd watched and witnessed my children go from not caring about their work number and caring about the quality and the things that they put in their work to 
obsessing over their numbers and whether they've got high enough numbers or whether it would get them into the honour roll, one of them, whether AB or A honour roll, and their position in the class with the other students. While I understood the motivation for competition, it concerned me that the focus was not on making progress, it was just on attainment. Um, and I wanted them to be able to work hard at it because they wanted to work hard at it, not because they just wanted to be getting a high grade because the trouble's going to come later on when things are hard and they don't get the high grade. How do you motivate yourself then? I noticed that when the children failed or didn't get the magic number, they were reluctant to talk about these things and it didn't used to bother them, but now they didn't really want to talk about it. They hid their papers and they were cross and more so than before because of course they were cross and annoyed before but more so now there was some sort of shame attached to not getting the magical number when we all know that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail which we talked about in show number 189 and I wanted them to embrace failure and understand that when you try hard you're going to, you might fail and then you try hard again and then you might succeed and it's not always as simple as that there's there's a process and so it's okay to go through this process but they seem to want to just skip to the making it all well right from the start they didn't seem to understand that failure was necessary to learn and that it was important to just let go what if we switch to add in progress as the indicator during the year and attainment as a much smaller role? Now, James Nottingham, who I mentioned in the episode 189, talks a lot about progress and attainment. And he was the one that really made me think radically about attainment and progress. And his video, Labels Limit Learning, I mentioned last time, which is a really good show to go back to if you're thinking about mistakes and failure. And that video is a really good one to, to plug into. He also talks about the progress and achievement quadrant. And another fabulous video is Evaluating Progress. I'll leave a link for those in the show notes for you to be able to have a look at too. He gives a really good example that I've kind of adapted and I started talking to the boys about and I talked to other parents about this concept too. To show what progress compared to attainment is. Now, I have nothing against attainment. I just think we've gone too far with just focusing on attainment with this number only that we should also be looking at progress as well. And the kids should find some solace and courage and excitement in the progress that they're making because progress sometimes takes a long time to be able to show itself as attainment. But if we only focus on attainment, it can be a really long time before we get through and um, get what we really want. And we can get discouraged before we even get there. So he gives this an example of a spelling test. And so I adapted it to say something like this. Sean gets 10 out of 10 this week for his spellings. And then next week he gets um, 9 out of 10, let's say. And then Marvin gets 8 out of 10 for his spellings this time. And then the next time he gets 9 out of 10. 
So the question is, who's doing well when you look at those two scores? So Sean got 10 and then a 9, and then Marvin got 8 and then a 9. Well, we'd probably say the first person, Sean, because he's only missed one once, whereas Marvin missed two when he got 8 out of 10, and then he missed one when he got 9 out of 10. But let's look at Sean over a month. So let's say he has 10, 9, 10, 9. And Marvin has 8, 9, 9, 10. Instead of who's doing well, I ask the question, who is making progress or who is learning and being challenged? Now, I would say that Marvin is. I'm happy that Sean is getting full or nearly full marks. I would question, though, how much progress and learning is happening. And is he just coasting because he's getting one wrong or none of them wrong? So how much learning is he actually having? If we convert that to a number, that's just one or zero. That's the learning that he's done, one or zero. However, if we look at Marvin, we can see that he struggled at the beginning with his eight, and then he went upwards and he got to a nine, and then he tried again and he maintained the nine the following week, and then he went up again to a 10. So I would say that Marvin is learning more and he's improving. So he went from an 8 to a 10, so he's improved a 2. So you can see if you had a graph that he has like an upward trend on his graph where he's actively challenged and he's actively learning and he's working hard. And that's what we would want, a child that's working hard and still getting better and better till he gets to the point of where he can attain. Marvin doesn't have a perfect or near perfect result for this fictional month that we're talking about. So Marvin would get no honors or recognition for that type of progress. You can see he's pulled himself up from an eight to a 10. And I'm guessing if you were trending that further, you would say that he would keep going and be getting good marks all the way along. Yet he's worked really hard, but in the current system that we have here, he wouldn't be recognized for anything, for the progress that he's made. Whereas Sean might be recognized because he has a 10, a nine, a 10 and a nine to show that he is consistently keeping at that. Now I have no problem with Sean getting the honors for consistently keeping at a high level, but I'm concerned about the Marvins because there's gonna be many more of those who are working hard and how is their progress being shown and how do you keep motivating a Marvin who has come from a little lower than everybody else and is working really hard you know Marvin is close to that magical honors number but what happens if he was getting a five a five a six and a seven wouldn't you think why bother because you know that you're not going to get the nine or 10 that would give you the honors, but you're still making progress. You got a five the first week, the next week you got a five, the next week you got a six. 
so you're making your progress and then six then they went to a seven so there is progress that's happening there how are those children being motivated yet those numbers show promise and that's something that I wondered how I could encourage my children who could be getting any of these types of numbers at all to concentrate on the progress they were making and not just rest on the attainment that they were getting. So here are some golden rules to try and do. Some things to think about and look at when you are talking about attainment and talking about progress to try and balance out the the bigness of the attainment and remember that progress is as important. When your child says, I got whatever the mark, X mark, pause and resist claiming that excitement as something you've helped to do by asking, are you proud or happy about your result? Now, this doesn't mean that you have to be all downtrodden and sad and, you know, a very flat voice. I mean, you can be as excited as you want to be excited. But when they're telling you, I got this result, whatever the percentage that they say, then ask them, are you proud of that? Are you happy about your result? And then pause, say nothing else. It's a much better place to listen and hear how they feel about that result. Because it's interesting, sometimes even when they have a high result, they aren't very happy about that. And that's a really good place for you to have a conversation about um, gratitude and why and feelings and just listening to why they're thinking that way. Sometimes when they've got a much lower mark, they are able to talk a bit about why they think that is. It's really a lovely question to ask when kids are excited about the result that they've got you know reflecting it back on them you know are you proud and are you happy about that result usually the answer is yes and you want them to be happy this isn't about you being happy of course you're happy about the result if it's a result that you're happy about but you don't want them to be doing this for you they need to be doing these scores for themselves so are they happy with what they've got If they are happy, ask them how they did it. How did you get the mark that you did? Here you're looking for conversations where they will say, I worked really hard, I studied hard. Um, What's really interesting is sometimes they said, well, I just looked at the paper, I did no studying. And you're thinking, wow, you got top marks and you didn't do any studying at all. That tells you as a parent something, that tells the child something as well about the learning and the things that are going on. It might be that they worked really hard and you might have to kind of tease that through. Gosh, you remember you every night for the last three nights, you've been studying for 10 minutes and you did that program or you did that writing or you read that thing or you made the flashcards or whatever it is that you did. Maybe those things helped you to get this result. So you're actually tying the result to the hard work that they did so that they can see to get this result this is the work that I have to do to be able to get to it so they can know that that is the high mark and how I did it or if they didn't get a high mark then there's something else but you get to listen to how they reflect on what's going on again it just gives you insight into how they learn 
And these insights and words we can store up for the inevitably harder times that will come. They will be times when they don't get the marks that they want and you can turn to them and say, you know, remember the last time you got this mark and you were really excited about it? What were the things that you did to get that mark? And they'll be like, yeah, I studied with my friend or I read it a few times with you. And you can compare it and say, well, what did you do this time? He goes, well, I was too tired or I didn't bother or I thought if I just did this, it would be okay. And now they can see that it's not just about I am intelligent or I'm not intelligent, they can see that it was the work that they put in that caused the, the result rather than just I knew the answer or I didn't know the answer. So that's if they are happy. Well, what happens if they're not happy about their result? Ask them, why do they say that? You know, why is it that you're not happy? And, and then again, just be quiet because sometimes they have really wise words to say and be bummed with them. I mean, it's hard when you get a result that you're not happy about and it's their result, it's not our result. Their result is not a reflection on our parenting. It's their result of what they have done and it's, it's shocking sometimes when you get a result that you're not expecting. So you can be bummed with them and help them with their emotions with that. And you can also say, well, you know, I can help you do better than that or help you with that. There's a few things that I can see or I'd like to do. Maybe we can talk about that another time and you can kind of prompt them. And I I went through a few ideas of how to do that in show number 189. I think when we do this process, often parents think that they can't join in and be really excited with their child when they get a high mark and that's not true. I think it's just remembering that these marks are their marks and you want them to be proud of it first before you show your emotion because it can really change the way the kids feel about it. But don't forget, and number two, don't forget to actually share how you feel about what's happened so you actually remember to respond. And use those three questions that we talked about in the last episode in in episode number 189. Many schools use pre-tests to test what they know and then end of unit tests or the end of the subject tests. Be keen to talk about the progress that's made. I think not a lot of parents use these pre-tests very well and the children often hide them in their folders and put them away. So if you're in a school that does do pre-testing, then dig those pre-tests out and share them and show them the progress that they've made because it's really important for you to see how learning is a process. It's not linear. We don't always go in a straight line. We make mistakes, we double back but we want to keep trying to go forward as well. It's great that you went from a four out of 25 because that's all you knew about that subject. And now at the end of the subject, you know, 15 out of 25. So look, look at what you have learned. And because it's the same test, you can show them and they can see, I can answer that question now and I couldn't answer that question before. And that is real learning. And that is much better than the focus of, I got four out of 25. If we just look at the attainment and say, this is four, kids just are embarrassed and think, I don't want people to know what that number is. 
And even when it gets to 15, they're thinking, well, it's not top marks. But if you can show them, look at the progress that you've made, where you've started from and where you are now, that progress is the really important thing, that they begin to see how important it is to move from one place to another and that attainment isn't everything. Try pretests for spelling words at home for learning. So when you get that list to test and see what they already know and compare it with the final one. So they'll have a spelling test in school probably of some sort. Schools do them in many different ways nowadays. And you can do a spelling test at home to start with before you learn. So you now know how many of the spellings that you really have to learn. So all of this talking gets them noticing the patterns that are happening with their results. So you've got the pretest of spelling and the final test of spelling. And you might notice, oh, look, you seem to get that O-U-G-H sound wrong. You did it in the pretest, look, you got it wrong here. And in the test at school, you got it wrong here. So now you know that those O-U-G-H words are a bit tricky, so maybe you can focus on that. Now you can see where you can make progress. Or maybe it's a history test and the pretest, you can see that, oh look, they muddle the dates up and that's the thing. You keep muddling the dates up and you can see it and they start to be able to notice those patterns. That's progress. They can now think of, okay, what can I do differently next time to help me learn better? Because we all know that each of our children learn in a very different way. Now, if I just looked at the attainment for those scores and said, you didn't do very well in your history or your spellings is just six out of 10, it's very difficult to help them make progress without just saying, you just need to learn all of those spellings. But when I have the pretest, and then the end of unit test, we now can see the development and the progress and children can learn how to decipher their own work. And as they get older, it gets easier for them to see for themselves, oh, I always do spelling errors or I tend to forget my punctuation or I'm really strong on paragraphing so I don't need to worry about that so much. And they begin to be a lot more reflective about their learning and can take their own progress on and be encouraged by their own attainment. So this just gets better when they, you start off by explaining a lot of these things to them, but they start to be able to do these things for themselves. We want them to be able to see that there's a progress being made and that it's not just the final score, not just the final score. Studying becomes a lot easier and a lot better when they can start to see the progress they're making and make and adapt according to that. So let's have a quick recap of the progress that you can make. Children love to learn. And I think the experiences that we experienced in the first couple of years of being here in America really challenged the way that we saw attainment. We came from a place where we talked much more about progress and the, James Nottingham is also an English um, 
consultant. And so I can see where he gets his ideas from progress from because I think this is the, the thing that we talk about a lot about in the UK. I'm sure it happens in other places too. And we've come to a place where attainment is everything. It's not that attainment wasn't everything where we came from, but progress I think was highlighted a lot more. Now we are in a place where at home we are adjusting slowly to making sure that attainment is important because we all have high standards and we all want the best for our children, whatever their abilities are. But now we want to focus a lot more on progress. How do you get from where you are to the next level and not just comparing yourself against the number, but how do you motivate yourself intrinsically to be able to do that? So wouldn't it be great if at honours ceremonies and achievement assemblies around the country, there were effort certificates for the largest percentage increase over the year. You know, that child, that Marvin, who went from five to six to seven to eight to nine to ten, he had the biggest increase and he was rewarded or recognised for his huge progress that he's made over time. Maybe it wasn't five all the way up to ten, maybe it was three all the way up to eight, but he's recognised for this the biggest percentage increase from where he was to where he is now because that's progress, that's attainment just as well. That child is honoured who dug in and worked hard and made significant progress alongside those who also made high attainment. Wouldn't it be great if in these parent portals and special places where you can see all of the login, all of the reports, sorry, for the grades for children, instead of the metrics all being final numbers of, you know, 65% in math or 95% in language arts, instead of just the number there for the latest quiz against the average for the whole term, that those results were plotted on a graph so that you could see the flat line, the no progress of the person that gets 95, 95, 95, 95 all year, the person that gets 65, 65, 65, 65 all year, and see that their progress is stuck, their learning is stymied, that they're not making much progress, they're maintaining that level. It could be a high level, it could be a low level, but they're not learning much, they're not progressing much. They're keeping the same and instantly as a parent, I could see that instantly as a child, you could see that you were just maintaining that level and we know learning means mistakes and mistakes means lower numbers and it's okay to have a lower number, you can bounce backwards and forwards but if you're not changing that number, then are you really learning? That we would see those students that have the stairs, you know, the Marvin students that gradually move upwards, learning and trying. And the failing student who was dropped off or they've been bouncing up and down, we would see visually by this graph, we could tell how they're doing and the trends over time. So we could see 
they were doing okay in the, the beginning of term and then something happened and now they've kind of corrected and we could identify what was that little blip. Maybe it was a subject that they weren't very good at. Maybe some personal things were happening like puberty or other things that were going on. Um, maybe there was a trip or, or troubles that were going on at home. Maybe they just didn't like the subject or something different was happening, but we can balance it against what has already happened. What if? Wouldn't it be great if our children measured their progress instead of just their rank? Just their rank order as their only mark of achievement. Instead of children going around saying, I got 89% in math or science, I got 65%, that instead they would talk about how much progress they had made with each other or that they shared that with their parents that we could see that they used to be at 65 and now they're at 75 so that they have been making progress, significant progress during the year. Even though it may not be a high attaining mark, that they are still making progress and we can recognize that. In this current system, it's very hard to decipher that because the final grade just tells you a number. Wouldn't it be great for all our students, all our children, that they can see progress as the best motivator? I can do better as a growth mindset than I'll never be as good as him or her. I wonder how many of our children sit in classes where they know that they're not very good in a certain subject and they know that they won't do as well and they see those people that are honored for doing very well all the time, that they can still work hard where they are and still progress. How many of them have the internal motivation to keep going, to keep trying, to do that a little bit more, to be a bit better for themselves? I can do better. Not, I can't do the same as my friend over there, just I can do better. Wouldn't it be nice if they had that growth mindset where they really felt that progress is about me moving to the next stage, not just me attaining the highest grades. Nothing wrong with high attainment, but we need to progress towards it, some of us. I was really hesitant to do a show where we talked about progress because I know that we're all in very different stages. We have children that are across the range from middle school, elementary school and younger. And I know that it's a very personal subject when we talk about progress and attainment because we have children that have special needs. We have children that have um, a variety of different educational needs. We're all in different situations and circumstances. Um, schooling types and um, the children, the amount of time that we have with them. So this is really not a judgment on how we do that. I hope that some of the ideas that I've talked about today, that you'll dig a little deeper for your family, looking at progress, how you talk about attainment, how we view progress, how we look at mistakes and failure, 
and how we show our children that they can do better the next time and show them how they can make progress. So now it's your turn. How do you encourage progress and not lean solely on attainment? I'd love to know your views. Come join us in the Facebook group and I'll leave a link for that in the show notes for you to come over and we can have a good discussion about it over there or if you feel free you can always email the show. Go to the show notes and you can find the contact information there because it's always interesting to see how other people do things. I love hearing from you and thank you to Akua who shared some feedback and a photograph. It was lovely hearing your message and I hope you got my reply. I listen to many podcasts in probably two different places and I was wondering where you listen to this podcast and I thought that it would be fun if you take a picture of what you can see or where you are and tweet me. You can tweet me at Play Activities and share your picture. I think it'd be really cool to see where everybody is and if we can have people from all the major continents. I know just from looking, I can see that we have people on the west coast of America, the east coast of America, Australia, the United Kingdom, Canada, France, Indonesia, China, India, many, many places. And I'm just curious, where do you listen to this show? What are you doing when you are listening to the show? So I think it will be really cool if we could see how many continents we can hit, how many different countries, how many different states, how many different places that we can see and um, know where everybody is listening to Raising Playful Tots here. If you can tweet me at PlayActivities, your picture, that would be really cool. I'd love to see you and see what you're doing. You get to see me each week. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me with at playactivities and I'll be able to see your pictures there just fine too. Thanks for being here today. I know there are many things that you could have been doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. Show notes for today's show with links are at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 190. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 190. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.